big thanks to our amazing sponsor this week, Sync Fusion. That's right, Sync Fusion. They've been with us since the very beginning. They've been with me for over a decade because I've used them all the way back from when I worked at Canon to build beautiful applications for anything. Whether it's web, desktop, mobile, they have all the components and widgets and gadgets and spreadsheets and all the things that you could possibly need for your application so you don't need to build it yourself. That's right. Are you, are you using things like Blazor or ASP.NET Core or Angular or React or Xamarin or .NET MAUI or UWP or JavaScript or WPF or WinUI or Flutter? All the things. They have beautiful controls for absolutely anything that can integrate seamlessly into your apps. Go to syncfusion.com slash mergeconflict to learn more about their awesome UI suite and so much more. And thanks to Syncfusion for sponsoring this week's pod. Frank, 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 Frank. Thanks to Syncfusion. I mean, let's just be honest. They've been with us for so long. It's forever. Hi, James. Hi, Syncfusion. Thank you, Syncfusion. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Um, it, it's been wonderful. They've been with us, uh, how many years did you say in a row? Because... I, I just like hearing your ad reads basically at this point. So I'm just, I, I hope they're with us for the rest of eternity. I do hope so. I probably need to contact them soon because it's almost 2022, but no, let's um, <laughs> look here. Surprisingly, the very first episode that they sponsored was episode 32. So, I mean, that's in the first year. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Well, we couldn't have done it without them. So thank you. More importantly, we couldn't have done it with all, all of our amazing listeners, all of you listening right now. We super appreciate you being with us for the last five years, whatever it's been, 17 <laughs> years. It's been amazing. All right, I got a topic, Frank. Controversial. Ooh, uh, I'm excited. This is the second week in a row where I'm going in cold. I got no idea. Ooh, but controversy? I'm here for controversy. What do you got? So it's something that we've talked about already many, many a times over on two different podcasts in the last few months. <laughs> However, now that I have really gone all in on .NET 6 and C-sharp 10. I've been making more videos. I've been talking about the features more. I've been using the features a lot more and how much they've been improving my day-to-day -day development. However, I seem to be really big fans, a really big fan of two specific features. One is sort of at the project level and one is a language feature. They, they piggyback on each other, but I'm such a big fan of it that I, I you know, made a bunch of videos. I did a bunch of things. I'm using it whenever I live stream and do all these things. I just love it. It just simplifies my code so much where I didn't really think it would be a debate that much or people would really kind of give a lot of pushback on it, but they really, really have. Frank, can you guess what features I'm talking about here? It's got to be one of your favorites. So it's the global usings or it's the, the namespace with a colon. I can't see anyone having any trouble with namespace with a colon. So I'm going to go with the global usings. Correct. So there's both. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> the issues, you're right on the head. The issue seems to be in and around not only global usings, but implicit usings, which is a flag <laughs> mm -hmm. that turns on a bunch of global usings as well. So I'll tee up this feature. It's a feature that I love and I think is really cool. As a .NET developer, C-sharp developer, we've forever had to worry about namespaces. And whenever you want to use uh, you know, a class or a static method or a static class or anything like that of something, let's say we have myapp.models. I have to go to the top of my file. I have to say using myapp.models or I have to type monkey and then do IntelliSense to bring in the namespace. Or I want to do you know, file.read, or I want to do task.run, or I want to do, 
a link extension method in first, you know, first or default, right? All the time. Oh, but you know, I haven't brought in the namespace. So it doesn't know about the extension method. So I got to figure out how to write it right or go to the top of my file. And I got to do all these things. Um, what has annoyed me is that as you your application grows, the top of your application files are a bunch of using statements. So these two features work in parallel. They're completely optional. You don't have to use them. It's totally up to you. Now, implicit usings are a flag in the project settings. You flip it on, just like nullability. And what that does is based on the project type, it decides, hey, implicitly for this project type, we are going to enable a set of namespaces everywhere in this application. So let's say you're in a console app. That's going to be your system, system um, link, system collections generic, your system dot, whatever. There's like maybe eight of them. The things that we have at the top of every single file. So that's really nice because you're like, if I'm using this in every single file, why is it in every single file? Just get rid of it, right? Like that's the glory of implicit usings. And additionally, frameworks like ASP.NET Core can bring in all that ASP.NET Core stuff, like all the dependency injections that have extension methods, adds it all in there. Now, what about things that aren't in implicit usings because mm -hmm. it's only a set list? Well, that's where global usings come in, which enables you to do what? Bring your own using statements globally for your project. So where I would have using myapp.models, I could create another file or I can just add the keyword global in front of it and it will light up that namespace in every single file in my entire project. It's for the project. And what that does is it either can shrink all of your using statements to zero or just make them really small. Like, you know, for example, if I'm using, you know, json.net in one file, I probably won't make that a global using, but I will, you know, just add everything else to the global using that I'm using in two or three or four or more files. How did I do? Did I describe the features correct, Frank? I've been talking. I'm passionate <laughs> about this, Frank. I am passionate about it. You're just you're just so over namespaces. I think that's what I always get back to. <laughs> yeah, um, it's a little bit of a change in culture um, because for a while there we were putting a million na namespaces and things, and I think we just got, maybe went a little too far. You know, there are ebbs and flows to everything, and I think having a list of fifteen namespaces at the top of a file isn't exactly helpful. Now, full disclosure here, um, I haven't embraced this new technology yet. <laughs> so I'm going to be talking kind of like how I think I'm going to feel about it, which I don't know. I don't know how I actually feel. But I, I can give you gut reactions that, yeah, everything you described seemed fine to me. Me personally, I think for the control freaks out there, the implicit usings is probably where, I, if I had to guess, everyone's freaking out a little bit more. Mm. Um, I was surprised when I first did it, when I .NET 6 new console apt and all of a sudden all these things were actually available in the IntelliSense and all that. So I was surprised. I vaguely knew that that was coming, but it, it was still a bit of a shock. And I did have that question of like what eight namespaces or what, however many there are are actually included in there. But you kept saying something that's really important, um, static extension methods, extension methods, extension properties, hopefully yeah. someday, you know, stuff like that. 
I can't tell you the number of times where like I found some random code snippet on the internet. I'm trying to make it work, but it's not working because some function's missing because we, again, a cultural shift, a little bit of a style shift in C sharp. People have really embraced static extension methods and are building whole APIs around them. They're not just like a, oh, let's add a tiny bit of functionality to an existing library. It's now I'm architecting my library around a minimal objects with vast quantities of extension methods. See ASP.NET and MAUI. <laughs> That's kind of how the world works now. And it's frustrating not to get those. So I think in a world where extension methods have become kind of the norm, we need a way to bring that stuff in a little bit more smoothly. I, I've just been talking for a while, but I'm going to go back. I'm going to keep going and say that uh, inside projects have been using Python lately. And mm. I think Python has better import statements. So you can say, like, from this namespace, import these classes or these objects, whatever you want to say along those lines. It's a little more fine-grained. And I think that um, because, because we didn't have that fine-grained imports, everyone started creating fine-grained namespaces instead. <laughs> <laughs> and then that, that was the explosion of namespaces that we've gone through in the last 10 years. And me personally, I don't care. <laughs> I'll take a few name conflicts over um, dealing with finding 100 namespaces at the top of every file. Yeah, I definitely have gone down that principle of, of when I do namespaces, it's very folder structure based. And in fact, in Visual Studio 2022, you can right click on your solution and say align all namespaces to like folders or whatever, and ah. it'll, it'll streamline it all for you. But I run into that issue, right? Which is, oh, okay, like in this, you know, file, I have using my app, using my app.models, using my app.view models, using my app.services, using my app.whatever. And then I'm like, okay, I have it in a bunch of files because I have a bunch of view models. So why do I have that everywhere? Now, one one pushback on this. So there's a few pushbacks that I would like to discuss with you, Frank. The pushback that I first see is this is going to slow down my app. This is going to be a performance problem uh, oh. because I'm using all my namespaces. It has to bring in all of this stuff. And and, and before you answer that, I'll I'll <laughs> you know I'll, my answer. <laughs> so before you, you know my that, response, <laughs> I. I want to get like a very concrete answer from you because, you know, Frank's low level. He understands how things work. I just pretend like I know what I'm doing. But when I originally came into world of .NET, like forever, 15, whatever years ago, I always thought that the reason we had namespaces and there were more fine grain was overhead. Like the more namespaces you brought in the, when you, when you nude up that class, it had to figure out a bunch of other stuff. And it could be a performance implication bottleneck. Is that true? Is that false? Like, what is what is the the runtime doing right when a namespace is used, for example? So I'm going to say there is absolutely zero performance overhead. If what we're talking about is runtime overhead, mm. compiled, not even compiled, you know, executable, running the code, zero implications. <laughs> you could put. 8 billion usings at the top of your file, and there will be an immeasurable, because it's zero, <laughs> difference in execution speed, memory consumption, all the above, with caveats, <laughs> star, 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 star. So let's, let's go through the quick caveats here. Um, so talking about runtime performance, let's take a step back and talk about uh, compile time and dev time. Mm. Tech 
technically, the compiler has to look in more places now for every little symbol you type, especially with extension methods. So when you have a million usings, the compiler has to do more work. Got it. So if you're talking about performance, okay, and you want to take into account the compiler, it matters. But let's go with Roslyn's really efficient. It knows how to cache things. It's it's pretty smart. So unless you've got one of those insane thousand project solutions, each one, you know, with a thousand files in it, you're fine. Don't worry about it. Don't don't overthink this. Um buy lots of RAM. <laughs> just, <laughs> just keep buying RAM. Um, uh, and then there's one other one, which is, I, I, we were talking about namespace, namespace conflicts. Another bad version of that is IntelliSense conflicts, because mm. now there's just a lot more stuff listed in IntelliSense because you have all these namespaces open. I think that that's actually a proper downside. Um, but I don't want to go too far there because you asked about performance, but to me, that would be the bigger downside than performance. No, when the compiler is done, the compiler has looked up all its symbols. It has matched names to assemblies. <laughs> That's all done. Assemblies aren't loaded unless they're needed. Dy- assemblies are loaded dynamically. So if you don't execute the code, the assembly won't be loaded. Methods are jitted dynamically. They're not jitted unless you actually call them. So that's all. You, you only pay for what you actually use. The exceptions here are iOS and AOT, your AOT scenarios, because um, what you want to run then is a linker that will go through, even though you opened up a million different assemblies, because namespaces and assemblies, that's the real difference. Like, it's assemblies that you want to avoid, not namespaces. So don't overthink the namespaces. Okay, that, yeah, because like when I'm compiling up my applications, usually I have just a few assemblies and, you know, I use enough that name many namespaces, right? And like I said, I don't put in every single thing when I don't don't need to. I, so I understand. I do understand that regard, which is like maybe this feature would have been detrimental to performance of compile time and IntelliSense ten years ago, right? When mm-hmm. maybe the IntelliSense engines weren't, you know, they would have been under strain, right? But now we've come a long way, where like this feature is is giving us what I like to think of productivity and code cleanliness and things like this and the productivity of all the linking and using statements all in there because our machines have come a long way because of the power of visual studio and that can catch, can keep up with, with these new features that are being added, just like IntelliCode, right? IntelliCode now has full line completion in visual studio 2022, which is like beautiful, but it's only because now it's a 64 bit process. And also like our machines are a lot faster and like they can handle more things basically. Yeah, and um, gosh, I've been so addicted to Copilot lately. I don't have IntelliCode, but I got mm. Copilot. And uh, there's Codex out there. If you if you want to be really crazy, you can go pay for it yourself. You don't have to wait for the beta. Uh, those are out there, and they're fantastic. So that problem I was talking about of your IntelliSense being a little flooded, it is a problem. It's still a bit of a problem if you're in VS Code and don't have those more advanced code completion things. But... Honestly, everyone, go get one of those advanced code completion things. <laughs> Join the go. beta. Take do whatever it takes. Get a Windows yeah. machine up and running because they're, they're so much better than um, you know, 2010 IntelliSense is what we're all basically using right now. Gotcha. Okay. 
but uh okay so zero performance so i i still there are i think me personally i still wouldn't do the implicit ones because i like a little bit of control i don't always like pulling system io not because um not because i don't use it a lot but because i like to know which files actually do io Mm. and i think the bigger kind of conceptual problem i have with this is that it throws away layering a little bit or it makes it easier to cross layer boundaries. So if you're trying to be like a good architect and have very clean abstraction layers in your software, like this is the UI layer, this is the data layer, this is a controller that talks between them and no one else talks between them. Uh, If you want to set that up and you have a million namespaces open, I think you're just a little bit more um, enticed or (laughs) it's just a little bit easier to start crossing layer boundaries. So I think about that from an architectural point, but I might just be making that up because I haven't actually used it. I haven't seen how much I'd actually be cheating. Yeah, no, no, that does make some sense. I mean, but I do want to call out here. What I'm going to do is I'm going to pull in the implicit usings because implicit using may sound scary because you're like oh my gosh you're gonna bring in some stuff so here's what's brought in frank let's hear it let's hear this is for like a a console app a console app but this is the default so let's say it's a project type that doesn't specify anything this is the the core that's here uh and they just bring in system so i approve of system system sounds good system system collections generic yeah please okay this is your (laughs) controversial one system.io controversial but i get where they're coming from you do a lot of io <laughs> system.link heck yeah system.net http mm, yeah, that's the asp.net team getting their way <laughs> not all my apps do http <laughs> system threading sure system not? threading it's, a, it's kind of it's kind of an ugly namespace system.threading but system.tasks that's a much cleaner namespace and that's it okay so the system IO and what was my other controversial one? I forgot already. System net HTTP. Yeah. Okay. Even system net HTTP. I'll, I'll give them that because that's just like HTTP client, right? That's not that's not too big. It's mostly just HTTP client. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I like it. Um, <laughs> you know, you need system IO for stream. I think just like stream comes up a lot. Text writer, uh, mm. text reader. Those just yes. come up and they happen to sit in system IO. I approve of these. I'm going to use this. I'm going to use this feature. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because it's not that many, right? I think that's the the thing. You know, I think I don't ha- know. it's not many, but at the same time, I don't mind having do you call it a global using .cs or do you just call it using .cs? That's also not controversial, but no standardization. <laughs> so um, Yeah. What um, do you prefer, James? I do global usings because it's descriptive of what it is. It's a set of global usings. And, you know, global global usings you can also use for aliases as well, which is kind of nice. Yeah. I kind of like it explicit, if I'm honest. (laughs) The the implicit's probably going to be nice for console apps, basically. .NET new little scripty things. Yeah. Uh, But I think from, like, my big appity apps... Even though that that core list, I'm pretty okay with that core list. I think I would still dump it into my own explicit global usings.cs just just because I'm me <laughs> and I want, I want the control. <laughs> yeah, I think that makes sense. Well, and you you're in control. I think the one nice thing is you are in control of what's happening here. I think that's one thing is if you if you like these features, use them. If you don't like the features, don't use them. I, I guess that's sort of my you know my my thought yeah. on it, but. 
you know what I'm actually afraid of? I have so many um, shared projects because we've been doing this for far too long, James. Um, sh- uh, shared code projects, I should say, which are basically just an MS build hack. It's mm. what we had before we unified all the .NETs. Unfortunately, I have a lot of code in those things. <laughs> I'm a little afraid of how all these global usings are going to mix together, but I'm still going for it because it'll just be nice to clean up the source code. That makes sense. Yeah, I think so too. Well, that's the other thing that's controversial too, I would say on this is a lot of people have said um, in the feedback loops is that, you know, they think it makes the code less readable because you don't know what files need, which namespaces. And I like mm-hmm. this comment it's on my YouTube, but uh, this person says they think that this feature came about because the thought, the new school or a school of thought is more lines of code is bad. <laughs> I don't think it's that simple. Um, okay, th- this is where definitely philosophy gets involved because some people like everything explicit. Some people like things implicit. It just turns out that people who like statically com- statically typed programming languages where you explicitly state the types of things just so happen the Venn diagram happens to overlap with they like explicit everything. <laughs> if you like explicit types, you probably like explicit everything. Hmm. Uh, whereas the scripting languages like your Pythons, it's there's a lot of implicits in there. The types are certainly implicit. Uh, the imports are not, though. That's very explicit. Anyway, all to say, um, I, I think that that's just a philosophical thing and what you're comfortable with. I get where they're coming from, but in a good IDE, you you hold command and you click and it takes you to the type or you just hover over it. And as long as your you know, semantic pass is compiling, you're going to know where that type is from. I don't need to write out, you know, system.link.where. I just... Me personally, I, I don't want to write that. And I'm okay with the uh, not knowing exactly where everything's from until I need to know. <laughs> I, I look at this other aspect of it, and this could be debatable too, so I'll get your input on it, is for me, I feel as though, and, and I could be wrong because I've been using .NET and C Sharp for a long, long time. I feel as though this does make the file new, I'm a new user experience a lot nicer because if you're in this world where the my introduction to c sharp and net is like i still have namespaces right they still exist when i add a new file and i see the namespace and they have these new file scope namespaces and things like that but i see this and i sort of see this nice clean code it almost makes the to me at least i could be wrong is it makes it feel more modern in a way that there's not just like this whole bunch of stuff at the top of my file and more approachable where I can just start writing code. That That's my thought at least is like, I, and again, I'm not a new developer, so I don't know, but my yeah. hypothesis here is that if I'm a new developer, this is going to look pretty attractive to me. Yeah. Um, it can, it's hard because we can't put ourselves in that spot, huh? It's, mm-hmm. it's hard as I, I try and want to think about it can only talk from my perspective. So my perspective is the more clutter you have in your code, the more repetitive things that you have to scroll through to find what you're actually interested in uh, is bad. (laughs) It's uh, signal to noise ratio stuff, you know? I want to eliminate the noise. And that doesn't mean I'm playing code golf. That doesn't mean I'm doing one letter variable names or cramming everything onto one line of code. Mm. 
It just means I'm eliminating 15 lines of using at the top. And I, I, I'm curious to see how, when I first released SQLite-Net, everyone made fun of me because the entire library was one single C-sharp file. I think people still make fun of me a little bit for that. <laughs> um, because the, the style was kind of the Java style. Every class goes into, a fi- uh, into its own individual file. And now it's those files are going to be really small, especially if you're doing like interface-based programming. It's just I have like interface blah, uh, curly, two lines, and a curly. That's a really short file. So I'm actually curious if stylistically, and especially with um, console apps being more scripty looking uh, with your ability to actually put statements at the top level, I wonder if we're going to see... Um, even more condensing. I wonder if people are going to be crazy and put multiple classes in one file, you know, finally kind of break that dogma um, or not. I don't know. I, I'm always here for stylistic changes. I don't think this hurts the language in any way. So I'm just more curious to see how other people do it. Me personally, I'm, I'm going to go for maximum signal to noise ratio. That makes sense. Yeah. I, to me, it's always been like a lot of these features to me, I never get to discover them. I feel like this is something that's very easily discoverable and something that I will use. Like a lot of times when they're like language features, you know, there's the one, what is the one feature? It's, it's sort of, it, it's like better switch cases that like return stop. Mm-hmm. I forget what it's called, yeah. but basically I write the switch statement and then I let Visual Studio refactor <laughs> it for me because I know how to Terrible. do that. Um, I, I love it. I, I love that switch expressions. Yes. So th- the trick to remember is value first and then the word switch, and then the IntelliSense will help you out. So just try to remember expression, then the word switch, and then start hitting tab. Yeah. I, I, and I feel like those, it's like, oh, I'm refactoring code and that it is, it's like a nicety and then like does makes things a lot shorter and nicer. I feel like, and it does bring in stuff uh, like, um, you know, more complex types that can be, uh, can be, can be switch cased over and things like that. Um, uh, pattern matched as well, which is cool. That's a yeah. word I was looking for um, where I feel like this feature is, oh, cool. Like it just makes my code a lot cleaner and helpful. And for me, it's helpful when I find those objects automatically. Um, but you are in control. Maybe, maybe this feature isn't fine grain enough for some people. That's what I'd be interested in feedback for is like, do you want a global using like in a folder? Like, you know what I mean? Like, Ooh. oh, I'm in the models folder. Let me bring in these namespaces and it's only for these. Whereas like if I put it in my root, it applies to the whole thing. Like maybe that's what people are looking for. I don't know. Uh, yeah, that that's interesting. That's kind of how ASP.NET views work. Mm. I think you can put a different kind of usings file or it, it takes the one in the directory, not necessarily the one in the ancestor directory. So that kind of makes sense. I, I like that. You should pitch that to the team. <laughs> you can start your own controversy. Everyone will be blaming you for something. Yeah. But um, I, I don't even know if we need that level of detail. Um, because even if you pull in like your models uh, folder and your views folder, a little bit of layer cross-contamination there, you're not going to pull in like, your sub sub <laughs> namespaces you're in, into your global usings you're not going to expose those so it'll still encourage you um 
you'll have a set of namespaces that'll be your good public interfaces that you do want to share between all the code files in that project. And then things that you put in esoteric or deeper namespaces hopefully just won't show up and no one will touch that code. So I think it could stylistically be good for layering, even though I said it was bad for layering earlier. <laughs> nice. Okay. Yeah. Any other features of uh, C sharp 10 that you think are controversial that you've been experimenting around with that you're like, oh, I don't know how I feel about this or things that you've heard on the, on the streets. No, no. The, the one that me personally, I'm a little nervous about is the actual mo- um, source file, top level statements where you can actually put executable code in the top level. I don't know how I feel about that one yet. I haven't, I certainly haven't taken advantage of it. It's great for scripts. No, no problem there. Um, but in really real source files, I don't know if I want it or not. <laughs> it's it's a little too tempting, like to just start throwing global variables everywhere. And I kind of like that C sharp forced me to be slightly good, a slightly good programmer, <laughs> and not just contaminate the global namespace. But at the same time, does it really hurt anything? Am I really, or am I just being dogmatic? And maybe I should give it a whirl and things like that. But I don't see any feature of a programming language that's controversial, especially in C-sharp where they take such pains to be backwards compatible. Like, if you don't want to use the feature, just don't use it. It's really not a big deal. Uh, disable, you can you can create a uh, suppressions.cs file that turns off analyzers that'll stop bothering you about switching your switch statement to the new switch statement. Um, but in truth, um, I don't see any reason to fight it. I would these features i i don't know how could a feature be bad it's just how you use it just make good decisions everyone (laughs) i like it i like it all right i think that's all i got frank i appreciate you talking me through it and addressing some concerns i don't know i i i think any feature or any change you know people are going to be for it people are going to be against it but i i wanted to kind of talk through maybe just some of the concerns people had, right? The performance yeah. thing or like, you know, um, you know, different conflicts and things like that or best practices because it is a feature. So you can use it to whatever extent you may want uh, in your application, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and analyzing your own code base. Maybe it doesn't make sense for you. Back in the day, I used to just have one namespace in my, my code. I would just be like, just every, <laughs> like, I don't care what folder it's in, just one namespace. That, that actually worked pretty good. Yeah, or you can just put uh, an, uh, a capital F, or in your case, a capital J before every class name, and you're good to go. Yeah. Homemade namespaces. No, it's better that the language supports those. <laughs> it's not good to break down all the all the rules in the language. But everyone, yep, zero, zero performance overhead at runtime, I would say few little stars for AOT and all that kind of stuff. And don't worry, the compiler is fast. That's not the slow part of the compiler. The slow part of the compiler is finding all the DLLs on your machine. <laughs> Got it. Got it. Cool. All right. Well, I think it's going to do it. It's a nice quick one this week, Frank. In and out. Yes. I'm, I'm sure this is like a C Sharp 10 episode number three. I can't wait for number four. <laughs> it's, uh, it's definitely been quite a bit. So all right. Well, thanks everyone for tuning in. Let us know what you think of C Sharp 10 features. Are you using implicit usings? Are you using global usings? Are you like, no, that's crazy. Did we miss a concern that you may have? Let us know. We'll definitely bring it up on our nice uh, on our next podcast or next lightning round talk, whatever we do. Um, but I think it's going to do it for this week's podcast. So until next time, I'm James Montemagno. 
And I'm Frank Krueger. Thanks for listening. Peace.